Hello, everybody. I'm Omar Wahab, and I'd like to welcome you to Bills and Sumberg's interview series, Opportunities in the New Reality, Asset Distress and Revitalization, where we explore timely and salient issues as they relate to distressed assets from both a business and legal perspective. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Phil Stein, the head of Bills and Sumberg's litigation group about litigation and dispute resolution during the coronavirus pandemic related to distressed assets. The COVID-induced recession has led to a dramatic rise in distressed assets across the economy that has only served to underline the multifaceted nature of dispute resolution. In joining us today, Phil will discuss the nuances of dispute resolution generally, and then talk about recent developments affecting his practice. His extensive experience counseling a diverse array of parties from across different economic sectors makes him uniquely placed to give us some important insight on this topic. Phil, thank you for joining me. I'll start off with this question. You know, distressed assets often give rise to litigation, but what issues typically get litigated? And are there other mechanisms for resolving disputes when an asset goes into distress? Yeah, you know, there are, first of all, a number of issues that get litigated typically when there are distressed assets. Those can include, among other things, you know, pretty high stakes partnership related disputes. Often a joint venture partner will sue another joint venture partner because, um, you know, there, there's some real dispute as to who should bear the loss or, or whether there was some sort of misstatement made or, you know, poor stewardship of the asset. You also have a whole lot of mortgage-related litigation of various types. It could be commercial foreclosure litigation, for example. It can also be a, a different kind of litigation, which is either litigation seeking contractual indemnification or litigation seeking a buyback or putback of the mortgage when that mortgage has gone into default. That can happen both with respect to residential mortgages or commercial mortgages. And you know we do of course, anticipate that there will be a rising number of defaults. There already is, both on the residential side and commercial side as a result of the economic fallout from COVID-19. You know, there are also likely to be some complications for the CMBS industry, commercial mortgage-backed securities, that could give rise to litigation. Now, the second part of your question was whether there are other mechanisms besides litigation for resolving disputes when an asset goes into distress. And the answer is certainly yes. You know, first, let's take the example of commercial foreclosures. There have been attempts to enter into workouts to try to modify the party's obligations and stave off litigation by reaching an agreement as to how something should get worked out. Those are not always successful, of course, in resolving distressed asset issues. And that could, you know, then give rise to other alternatives to litigation. Arbitration is something that is an option for the parties, either if they have agreed in their initial contract that they will resolve disputes through arbitration, or if they decide you know, unanimously, if they are in agreement, in other words, that this dispute should be arbitrated, even though that wasn't something that they had previously planned for, they can shift course and, and arbitrate at that point. And I think a final alternative to litigation in terms of how to resolve disputes related to distressed assets is mediation. I think often we all think of mediation as something that happens after the parties have been litigating in court for a while or in arbitration and you know they've, they've come to a point at which they want to try to get things resolved and so they they bring a mediator in to try to resolve their dispute. Increasingly we're seeing parties try to get things resolved with the help of a mediator if they weren't able to work things out themselves 
prior to any lawsuit being filed. And so that too is an option that's available to parties in the event of litigation being threatened after an asset has gone bad. Very interesting. That's a great overview. You know, you alluded a little bit to what's going on now. Most people expect the volume of distressed assets to continue to rise but dramatically with, with COVID-19. What's going on so far in terms of litigation and dispute resolution activity? Are you certain? Are you seeing certain types of dispute resolution being utilized more? Are you seeing certain trends that is that are directly affected by COVID-19? I think a couple of things come to mind. First of all, you know, I, I mentioned loan workouts to the extent that commercial foreclosures are being contemplated. We do see an interesting willingness, frequent willingness on the parts of the competing interest to try to resolve things through a loan workout. And if things can be worked out in that fashion through some sort of modification of, of the loan obligations, that's great. When it doesn't happen, and of course, often it doesn't you know, get resolved, then we go into the other avenues of dispute resolution that I talked about earlier, whether it's litigation or arbitration or free litigation mediation. And in terms of where things are headed, again, we, we see a lot of partnership disputes, people battling over who should bear the loss for a, a joint venture deal or other partnership gone awry because of distressed assets. And, you know, as I said, are, are seeing a lot of activity around threatened claims related to commercial mortgages and residential mortgages. Okay, interesting. Related to that question, you know, we had distressed assets during the 2007-2008 global financial crisis, and we have them also today in today's recession. What are the similarities and differences that you see between today's market and that of the previous recession for distressed assets? You know, it's interesting. We continue to litigate to this day, believe it or not, claims related to distressed assets from the 2007-2008 financial crisis that you mentioned. There are, though, big differences, I think, between that recession and the litigation that flowed from it and you know what we're experiencing right now with COVID's effects on the economy. In particular, in, in the previous recession, the assets that were in question were almost always underwater. This time, it seems that most of the assets that are the subject of litigation have a, a good deal more equity in them. I think also we've got a, a larger economic picture in which, you know, in 2007, 2008, we saw banks' continued existence, you know, very much in question, really major banks, big names that many of which went under or there was concern that they would go under. Thankfully, knock on wood, we don't seem to have those issues, at least so far, with you know, what's going on in, in the COVID economy. So I think things are a little more stable in those senses. The fact that, that assets this time around do tend to have more equity in them seems to incentivize the owners to fight harder for the asset. And that can give rise to bigger and perhaps longer running battles, but there is something valuable worth fighting for. And also, you know, with regard to what's going on with COVID and its effect on the economy, Issues are being presented regarding discount valuation. What is the true value of an asset when taking the pandemic into consideration? So again, I think there are a number of differences, but I think just as in the 2007, 2008 financial crisis, we are likely to see an uptick in litigation as a consequence of what we've been going through. Okay, that's, that's great to know. You know, in terms of people talk a lot, it's the MBS related securities, you know, are quite popular for a variety of reasons, but obviously commercial properties have been hit pretty hard by the pandemic. Are there particular issues that investors you think should be aware of regarding CMBS-related distressed assets or other securities? 
Yeah, you know, while things are still developing on that front, I would call people's attention actually to a blog post that we put together on our Financial Services Watch blog, partner of mine co-authored, and it's dated November 3rd, 2020. It's about what can be learned perhaps from the experience that parties and their attorneys went through in years and years of RMBS, residential mortgage-backed securitization litigation. What lessons can be learned as we head into what might be a real uptick in commercial mortgage-backed securities litigation. So I would call people's attention to that. But most specifically, I think the issues that investors and really anybody who might be involved in in CMBS-related distressed asset litigation need to be aware of are the following. I think, first of all, you know, everybody is going to want to focus and need to focus on the statute of limitations. Would a claim that's being brought now be timely? In the RMBS world, you have judges going both ways on that issue, depending on sometimes how a claim is characterized or just the personal views of that judge. Another big issue that will no doubt come into play to the extent that CMBS litigation is contemplated is just basically whether misrepresentations were made. You know, that's that's kind of the fundamental issue. When a securities offering, in other words, was being put out for consideration by the investing public, were there real misrepresentations made about the quality of the asset, the loans that were going to populate the CMBS trust that parties were being solicited to invest in? If there were misrepresentations, the next issue becomes whether those misrepresentations were material. And then, you know, you move from that into damages related questions that people will want to focus on. Those, of course, include the extent of the financial loss and very importantly, whether the alleged misrepresentation really caused the alleged loss. Sometimes it's easy to demonstrate that. In other cases, it's much more difficult to establish that there's a clear link, a clear causal connection between the alleged misrepresentation that's being complained of and the loss that an investor claims to have suffered. So those are the the big issues that we see, and it's going to be really interesting to to see just how much CMBS-related litigation activity there is. Uh, There certainly has been a whole lot of RMBS-related litigation activity for years and years, and we've been very heavily involved in that, as I said, almost since 2008 and continuing until today. Well, it's very interesting. It'll be very interesting to see how the courts interpret all these aspects. I mean, there's so many moving parts and and so many things to, to take into account. Phil, thank you very much for this excellent interview. You've taught us a great deal about an area of commercial law that's so important in today's economy, but that appears so opaque to so many outside the legal profession. We look forward to speaking with you again soon, and thank you again. This has been great. Thank you.